Hey guys, and welcome to episode number two of the Loco Podcast. I am here with Coach Kelly, and today we are going to be talking all things injury. Um, we're going to talk about what an injury is and acute recovery from an injury and what to do after acute recovery and the emotional side of things and how to prevent injury. So literally all things injury today, um, I think you'll dig it. Yo. Yo, <laughs> Kelly is here too, living the dream. Hey. Um, so we're going to start just with a quick little story from one of the clients that I have had in the past. Uh, and this is someone that, that came to me that was a runner, uh, actively training for marathons, did a few every year, and was running a, a lot of miles in a given week. I can't remember what the exact number was, but it was definitely over 40 miles in a week. Um, and this person just gave themselves all sorts of issues with plantar fasciitis and shin splints and hip issues and just all the common repetitive injury stuff that we see with, um, overuse running injuries. And so they were super discouraged when they came to me, um, because they couldn't run and it was their identity. It was what they had known of themselves for a really long time. And so we had to do some work and, and figure out instead of focusing on the things that she could not do, we needed to focus on the things that she could do. And we had that sort of reframing conversation and came up with a really good plan of the things that we could work on to improve. And one of the goals that she gave me when we had that conversation is she told me that she wanted to get under a four hour marathon time. She had run a ton of marathons and had yet to been able to break that, that uh, four hour mark. And so that was a huge goal that we set for ourselves. So we talked, we got to work, um, and we just focused on strengthening first. So did a ton of squatting and a ton of deadlifting and a ton of jump rope um, to, to correct posture um, after we got through that sort of initial injury phase, right? That was one thing that we saw. One reason that was causing a lot of injury was, was her posture was terrible. She was broken when she was running, and so we, we needed to clean that stuff up as well. Long story short, she worked with me um, for a solid, I think it was probably four months or so before we set her free on running like she wanted to run. Um, we got her strength numbers way up, and as a result, not only did she break four hours in a marathon, but she was able to break three and a half hours in her marathon with way less running training um, and, and just by using that time to focus on other weaknesses that she had as an athlete. So long story short there is when you do have an injury, um, remember that there is still a ton of things that you can do. Um, and we're going to talk about all those things here in a second. But before we do that, I want to just touch on injuries occurring in the gym, right? Or in your regular life. So in the gym specifically, we are constantly trying to balance these three different components. One is efficiency, one is efficacy, and the third and final is safety. So efficiency means how quickly are you achieving your goals? So if you come to the gym and you don't get any better for a year, obviously that's not a very efficient program. Efficacy or effectiveness of the program is basically, is it working? Are we getting stronger? Are we getting faster? 
And then safety is exactly what it sounds like. What is the injury rate we've got going on? So we need to balance efficiency, how long it takes to get something done with efficacy, meaning an improvement in performance. And because we're constantly trying to balance those things, because we are doing what is called threshold training, which just means we're teetering on the edge of being in control and out of control. Um, every once in a while, we're going to have a safety issue happen. So if I, the, the example I like to use is if I had a gym full of people, no one got hurt in a year, but no one improved at all in a year, that is a super inefficient and safe program. Uh, on the flip side of that coin, I get 25% of my clients to gain you know, 100% improvement in all of their lifts, but the other 75% get hurt. That's the opposite end of that spectrum, and we can't have that either. So we need to just constantly balance these things. And living on that threshold is how we get better. And so we need to learn um, about injuries and how to recover, and hopefully we keep them to minor injuries that we can recover from really quickly, right? Remember this, what you're doing in the gym is safer than any sport you could play on a field anywhere, um, but we're still working hard and things are going to happen from time to time. Uh, so let's talk now about sort of what an injury is. Um, and Kelly, I will let you sort of take it from there. So let's, let's go from there. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Well, I want to talk a little bit about connective tissue because a lot of the injuries that we see have to do with you know, our joints. So that could be like tendons, ligaments. Um, but connective tissue is actually wrapped around our muscle fibers kind of at every level. These are all built from the same stem cells that are called fibroblasts, and they all operate in the same way. And then when they get organized in different um, ratios, then we get different kinds of connective tissue, such as our fascia. It's also within our muscles and throughout our muscles, connecting our muscles. And um, what can happen with injury is that that fascia gets interrupted and then it basically tries to rebuild itself and without the instruction on how to rebuild itself it is disorganized tissue and that can impede muscle efficacy basically like the, the muscle can't operate it doesn't have the room to operate and it doesn't have the room to build and those cells aren't getting the instruction on how to work and relearn their roles so if you are inactive after you have injury to a tissue whether it's a muscle or where the muscle connects then you are just randomly laying down connective tissue fibers in a way that prevents you from ever being able to use that part of your body in the correct way again one thing i want to touch on in sort of the the what is an injury realm is there are two sort of really common types of injury if you will um, one of them being acute injuries and acute injuries are things that happen all of a sudden so a lot of times we see these in contact sports right if you're a football player and you're cutting one direction and you get hit and you tear an acl that is an acute injury if you are out in the regular world and you're riding your bike and someone hits you on a car that is an acute injury um, if you are in the gym doing pull-ups and your hands slip off the bar and you smack your head on the ground, that is an acute injury. So these are things that are happening from a specific event. 
and honestly, there is, you know, not a ton of, of prevention that we can do there. There is, of course, in like the, the ACL, MCL world, of course, we can strengthen the tissue and be less likely to injure something. Um, but there's times where things are just going to happen and there's nothing we can do about it. The other bucket of injuries are overuse injuries and overuse injuries are not necessary, right? Those are injuries that we can prevent 100% of the time by dialing in our training and our nutrition and our recovery protocols. Um, overuse injuries, however, are far more common than acute injuries are. So um, most of the stuff that we see in the gym, for example, um, lower back stuff is coming because your core is not engaged and you're doing repetitive air squats or repetitive motion and you're coming week after week and eventually that thing just gives out. Or maybe you have your knees forward in a squat. And again, over time, eventually that knee is going to get fired up and it's going to present a problem. None of those things are, are things that should be happening. And so that's why it's so important. And we take uh, such care to teach you guys proper movement and motor patterns to make sure that those don't happen in the first place. But the other side of that is, is doing the work and making sure um, that you're doing everything you can to prevent them as well. Uh, so let's go in a little bit now to acute recovery. So there's gonna be different protocols from when an injury is fresh and new um, versus after that initial one week or two week phase of when our body is a little less pissed off and we can start doing a little bit more stuff. Yeah. So acute recovery, we're talking about like from the moment that injury occurs to like 48 hours after that to, you know, when the inflammatory period has died down, um, after a few days, commonly this is when people will pop a bunch of NSAIDs, which are things like Advil. For those that don't know, NSAID is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. That's what that stands for. So think Tylenol, Advil, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's some controversy around this. Um, and I definitely wanted to touch on the fact that NSAIDs are not necessarily where we want to go um, throughout your recovery process. Maybe I'm touching on this prematurely, but that is a quick way to a leaky gut. You need an inflammatory process in order to heal. That And we do want to manage inflammation. And here's how I think about this when it comes to acute recovery. So that the, the RICE acronym, REST, yes. And after acute injury, you need to rest it. I is ICE, no. So for, again, and this is talk with your doctor. If you've got a surgery or a, like a really acute injury, again, if it's overuse, probably not ICE. If it's acute and we need to get that swelling down, then yes, ICE is probably going to be appropriate. Um, but beyond the acute, like immediate stage, ICE and EDSEDS both are going to just slow the recovery process. They're going to make you feel better for sure. Like ice is going to make the joint feel better. An NSAID will make the pain lessen, but it's going to slow that recovery process because inflammation, like Kelly said, is what it's your body um, bringing resources to that area to repair it and then pulling the, the excess junk out essentially and yes. so we need that inflammation there um and and so ice and NSAIDs uh can detract from that especially after that initial 
recovery phase, that initial swelling decrease. Yeah, and the effect of NSAIDs on your stomach and liver is just not worth the benefit of some temporary relief. Um, so yeah, p- post-acute recovery, there are a lot of different things that we can and should be focusing on um, to make sure that we're getting back to a completely recovered state, a non-injured state, as quickly as is humanly possible. Um, first, let's just talk about the, the sort of time that we want to dedicate to this thing. So when you are recovering from an injury, if you are just using uh, your training to be just a functional, awesome human, to be able to do cool stuff outside of the gym. As um, opposed to being like a competitive athlete. Correct. Exactly. Opposed to being competitive, we want to uh, at least have a one-to-one work to recovery ratio. So what I mean by that is if you are in the gym, um, specifically like the higher intensity stuff. So if that work is taking you 20 or 30 minutes, the high intensity portion of the hour that you're here, that means I want you to do 40 minutes to an hour of rehab type work, accessory movements, stuff that you are doing that is directly contributing to healing that injury. What I used to think this meant was that I worked my ass off in a CrossFit gym at 100% intensity for as much of that hour as possible. And then I got to go home and lie on the couch and that was recovering (laughs) and that was self-care. And I also could just eat whatever I wanted. This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about recovery that is intentional and active practice that is also teaching your tissues how to adapt to the work that you just put in. And, um, and that, that does include your rest and your nutrition as well, but it also means like stretching, doing accessory exercises, which are not at 100% intensity. The, the big thing that I like to get across there, and, and I talk about this at our foundation sessions on the first day with everyone, is that there is a difference between recovery and rest, right? Recovery is actively doing something to help your body heal itself. Rest is sitting on the couch. I want you to do a ton of recovery. Um, I want you to rest too, but recovery is really the important part to get you back in the gym as quickly as is humanly possible, whether you're injured or not, right? Even just recovering from a really hard workout, we need to do this focused, diligent work. Um, So let's talk about accessory work for a little bit, Kelly. Let's say um, I hurt my knee. Uh, what are a couple of exercises that you can think of that would help me that I should focus on, um, outside of my intense class time before class, after class or at my house, what are some things that I could potentially be doing to strengthen, um, or help that knee recover? So for sure. First I would be looking at, you know, how this injury came about, maybe asking my coach or maybe it's obvious and maybe my knees caving during a squat. So my coach can help me know, oh, my knee hurts because my mechanics are wrong. So we're going to look at those mechanics. And why are those mechanics wrong? It could be because maybe your outer hip isn't developed enough and you're not able to recruit enough strength to keep your knee in the proper position during your squat. So in this instance, we would use something like a hip halo, which is a glorified rubber band that you can put around your legs. You can do it at um, around your feet, above your knee. Um, and you're going to be focusing on widening the distance between your knees and your feet and that activates like your outer glutes your outer hip rotators 
And when we sit all day, we don't develop these muscles. So it's sort of a common uh, squat flaw in Western society because we're, we don't have well-rounded um, muscular development. So that would be the accessory work that I might give you is you're doing some side steps or some cowboy walks, monster walks, whatever you want to call them to sort of even out. And that'll help hold your knees in the proper position when you can keep them out in your squat. For sure. And it's, and that's really the importance of having a coach, right? You need somebody to look at just like taking the shotgun approach and let me just try everything. You're going to get nowhere, right? So we need to identify what the root cause of the issue is first. Then once we identify the root cause of the issue, then we can do some correctives to improve that, that problem. You're also going to want some guidance to know, you know, how do, if my knee is active, if it's injured, I'm going to be doing this accessory work in different proportion than if I'm just doing this as sort of prehab or preventative. So you want to make sure that you're not, this is where managing inflammation comes in, where you want to have just the right amount of inflammation that the healing can occur, um, but not so much that you are basically keeping yourself in this sort of acute phase. So, so I guess a large part of, of what we're saying here is that when you are injured, uh, when you are recovering from that injury, most people go into shutdown mode and they stay out of the gym and they don't do anything. And literally, that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Instead, we should be coming to the gym, hitting a, a workout with relative intensity and then doing a little bit of extra work on strengthening, improving flexibility of the specific area that we're hurt. So people, instead of um, doing shutting completely down, we actually need you in here a little bit more so that we can focus on fixing the problem. And when it comes to accessory work, that should not just be um, exercise, like active movement of... Uh, or active engagement of the muscle, you've also got things like, we call it smashing here in the gym, but that's going to be, you could also go to a body worker for this, but we need to, as all of that uh, new tissue gets laid down in that inflammatory process, it can, it's laid down randomly. And so sometimes that creates, or generally that creates adhesions, and you're going to need to free up those tissues. So by smashing, you can basically give those tissues an opportunity to rearrange so that they allow for full range of motion and um, mobility moving forward. So you're going to want to be doing smashing. You're also going to be want to doing be doing stretching, which lengthens the tissues and doesn't give them the opportunity to seize up and bind up. Whereas if you're going home and laying on the couch, you are locking that shit down. So stretching to open it up, smash it to loosen up the adhesions, and then load it so you can give the cells the correct instruction for future development. And uh, if that sounded super not sexy, <laughs> just wait for this next part because really the, the two other components that we haven't mentioned yet are um, probably equally if not more important than the active recovery that we just talked about. And that is getting your sleep dialed in and getting your nutrition dialed in. Ugh. So recovery, um, 
means that your body at a cellular level is going through some processes that it wouldn't normally go through in order to improve these tissues. And so we need to make sure that we are in an optimal state to make this work uh, happen as quickly as is humanly possible. And what that means is making sure that you get enough sleep. I cannot tell you the importance of getting minimum seven hours of sleep a night. And I say sleep, not seven hours in bed. Those are two totally different things. I've got this really cool and really terrifying thing on my wrist right now. It's called a whoop. Kelly has one on as well. (laughs) Uh, And this freaking thing made me realize how little I was actually sleeping, even though I was in bed for seven hours, right? So for me, my sleep efficiency is terrible. And seven hours in bed is really only like five and a half to six hours of sleep. And I am just, my body can't repair anything on that much sleep, right? Sleep is when our body really goes into this regenerative state. Yeah. And as much as like your friend might convince you that they don't need seven hours of sleep, Unless you are part of the like 0.5% of the population that has this like freakish genetic anomaly, you need seven to nine hours of sleep a night or seven and a half to nine, depending on who you ask. And that sleep involves multiple phases. So the quality of your sleep, just like with nutrition, quality matters just as much as quantity. And being unconscious is not the same thing as being asleep because there are different sleep phases. This is why people like Jay and I like to nerd out and like track things because the amount of deep sleep you get is super important, just like REM sleep and light sleep. There are completely different activities going on in your brain at that time. Notice that I said there's activity in your brain going on (laughs) while you sleep because when you are unconscious, i.e. on Ambien or drunk or whatever it is, the ways that I used to put myself to sleep because I've been an insomniac since I can remember looking at a clock, um, you do not have all of these really important processes happening in your brain, which is how you create and store memories, decide what is important in learning. Um, your brain decides, not you consciously. But these are processes that are also key to recovering from an injury. So get your freaking sleep, guys. Really, really important. And that's for preventing injury and in the recovery process of injury. Next thing is nutrition, and we preach this all the time, and it is important all the time, but it also matters for um, recovering from injury. Specifically, we need to make sure that we're staying away from inflammatory foods. Mm. Um, so making sure that we are um, you know, not taking in basically a a buttload of processed carbohydrate because any of that processed carbohydrate is going to lead to an insulin response, which is then going to lead to an inflammatory response, which is going to hurt more. Like it, you will physically feel it if you were to eat like Chinese food you and you had a pain, a, a, a hurt knee, it would hurt more. At least I, N of one, I've had that happen to me multiple times before. Yeah, and your cells, I mean, we are what we eat. This means like you, your cell walls need specific qualities of fats in order to keep your cells together. Like this is the quality of your tissues. So the quality of the food that you eat is creating the quality of your muscles, of your connective tissue, the amount that you are able to heal, and it also affects the quality of your sleep. It's all interconnected. So though it may not be super sexy, um, recovery protocol ultra important get in here do some movement some accessory work some smashing some mashing some lengthening via stretching um 
And ask your coaches. Even if you can't do the wad, they will give you something to do. So just show up. For sure. Keep in mind that we can, it's our job to scale workouts to make it appropriate for you. That doesn't just mean your ability level. That's one part of it. But the other part of it is it's also our job to work around any issues that you have, any tweaks, any injuries. And so we will, can, alter every single workout. Even if your knee and if you got your left leg amputated and it was a squat day, we would make it work. Like there is plenty of stuff that we can do um, to make sure that you are still crushing it in the gym. So that's the biggest thing is to make sure that you uh, are getting in here. Um, On that front, if we're talking about an injury between our right and our left side, there's some really uh, there's a really cool thing that happens um, with that. Kelly, you want to tell them a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I'll give the example of like a rotator cuff surgery because that's one of the few injuries it, in modern medicine now, move it or lose it is kind of the motto. You have a surgery and they'll get you moving as soon as possible because they know everything that we just went over. But in the instance of like a rotator cuff surgery, that's one of the only ones where you actually immobilize the joint for a number of weeks after the surgery. So say I'm in one of those crazy slings and I can't move my shoulder at all. What we're going to have you do is exercise the other shoulder because there's this phenomenon where if I am strengthening and developing the muscles of my right rotator cuff, which are all of the muscles that support shoulder rotation, then the muscles on the opposite side of my body that I'm not even loading, they will develop with some symmetry. So it, we can maximize all of this and continue moving even if we're not actually moving the injured tissue. So in other words, if your left, and this is, sounds crazy to say, but if your left bicep is torn and you do curls on your right side, it is going to prevent atrophy on the, the left injured side. And that is the craziness that is the human body. Isn't nature <laughs> We are insane, <laughs> insane. Um, okay, moving on now, we're going to touch a little bit about the emotional side. So this is one of, if not the hardest parts of injury, right? It's not necessarily that it hurts really bad. It's that you get frustrated that you cannot do things and... Um, the self-talk goes in a bad direction and then everything just spirals out of control. The times that I have cried in the gym have never been out of pain. It's been out of pure frustration that I can't do what I think I should do or that I want to do. And I don't have patience with my body or my performance. Right. And so that is a great point to talk about ego and making sure that you don't think you're too good to do something Um, or that you need to come in here and just crush yourself and that's the only thing that's going to be good for you or that you need to keep up with um, Amanda who's right next to you like just crushing this workout. Remember, we are all on our individual journey. Or if you have too much pride to ask someone for help putting the box back on the stack because if you have a low back injury, you shouldn't be doing that. Ask for fucking help. It doesn't make you look weak. For sure. So first things first, we got to set our ego aside. That's the only way we're going to be able to recover um, and get back to work as quickly as is humanly possible. Uh, Number two is using your injury as a lesson, right? I say this all the time. The gym is simply a microcosm for your actual life. The things, the way that you react to stuff in the gym is how you're going to do things outside of the gym. How you do one thing is how you do everything. 
So if I'm in a workout and I am on wall balls and they get really freaking hard and it's supposed to be rounds of 25 and you do 23 because you're like, eh, no one's counting, that's good enough. Guess what? You're going to take a shortcut in your regular life. Maybe you're turning into a report for your boss. Maybe you are um, trying to dial in your nutrition and you just get a few extra grams of carbohydrate in there because who's going to know? Um, all of those things are, are going to translate outside of here. You're only cheating yourself too. And it, it's an injury is a, is a good example of you know, any instance of adversity, it's an opportunity if you have the right mindset. So you can go from an injury to being stronger than you ever were because of that injury. If you have the right mindset to turn that into an opportunity to grow, to change, to humble yourself and acquire more experience. And it's, it just takes patience, right? It's going to take time for this to happen. Um, and while you're waiting on the recovery from the injury, there's a million other things you can focus on. That's one of the really cool things about functional training is there are like endless movements that we have the potential to do. So if there's just a quarter of those that we can't do, uh, guess what? There's still 750,000 that you can, right? And so we're going to focus on those things and think about the story that we led with here, the marathon story, the potential to come out stronger. She was able to shave like over 30, I think 36 or 37 minutes off of her marathon time. I think one thing that uh, maybe the biggest thing that can really get in our way here um, is telling ourselves the story about what happened. And when I say tell ourselves the story, I mean like, I will always have a weak core or I just have a bad back or my knees have bothered me my whole life and they always will or I am a broken person or you know I didn't take care of my body before so I'm doomed forever I can never achieve x y and z and whether we say these out loud or not isn't as important as what we're really telling ourselves on the inside so if I believe that story I will live out that story so we have to have this growth mindset this I don't know what's going to happen but I'm gonna work as hard as I can, put in the footwork now, and the outcomes will take care of themselves. Look, there is a long time, there was a lot of misinformation in the medical community. Let's just throw it out there and say it is what it is. For a long time, we were wrong about a lot of things, and it made people think that once something happened, they were stuck there forever, right? Once my back is hurt, I forever am doomed to have a hurt back. One, Everyone in my family has bad backs. Exactly. Everyone in my family is overweight, so I have to be overweight. Bullshit. It is just not true. You just have to be willing to do the work to improve. So none of this is going to get better on its own, right? We just have to figure out how to, how to improve it. This goes even for like type 2 diabetics. You do not, and I'm not a doctor, I don't play one on the internet, don't stop taking any medications ever, but you do not have to be a type 2 diabetic for the rest of your life. There are ways to reverse type 2 diabetes for a portion of the population. Um, so don't, we need to get out of this mindset of I am X uh, and instead think about what you can be, what can happen, what can I focus on. Absolutely. Uh, and then last thing we'll touch on today is injury prevention. So um, instead of having to worry about uh, these, oh crap, something went wrong, 
Uh, let's figure out what we can do to make sure that uh, everything within our control is properly set up so that we don't get hurt. And again, acute things are going to happen, right? Freak stuff happens and there's nothing we can do to control that. But the preventative side of things, I'm going to steal this from Kelly Starrett, who if you don't know, look him up, Mobility Wad, awesome dude. We got his book, Becoming a Supple Leopard, on the bookshelf. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, you should definitely be checking that out for recovery, by the way. Um, but what he likes to say is think about your car, right? Would you ever, uh, drive your car until the engine explodes and then go and change the oil? No, of course not. That is not what we do. At least if you are, uh, a, a semi-functioning adult, um, in, but that is what we do with our bodies. We are just riding them until the engine explodes and we wait for something to go wrong and then we try and change the oil. Then we do the recovery work. Instead of opening the, the owner's manual and looking at the preventative maintenance guide and changing my oils every three months, topping off my fluids every three months, adding air to my tires once a month, like doing these things is gonna ensure a much longer life out of your body out of your car and your body for that matter. Absolutely. So we've got like, we, we talked a little bit about prehab before and there, this, this sort of less sexy accessory work um, goes along with this idea of varying the intensity of our workouts. So that's sort of like a misunderstanding of CrossFit that we are like, 100% all the time you come in and you just like kill yourself for an hour and then you go home and that's it. And that's how we develop. And you really don't, need to be at that level of maximal intensity very much at all to create adaptation. You really need to balance that with varying levels of easy work for longer periods of time or just some midline accessory work one day and then a really hard six-minute wad the next and then like a like power walk for 30 minutes the next day. Right, and so this is uh, partly going to be taken care of via the programming, right? Because when we are writing workouts, and I'm sure you guys noticed this, there's days that are like 15 minutes of, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to die. Uh, but then the very next day you come in and it's like uh, light sled pushes, kettlebell carries, and plank hold, right? And those things are things that are just by design going to have a, a naturally lower intensity, which that's part of it. The other part of it, though, is you personally have to vary your intensity based on the factors, the lifestyle factors from your life. So if you're sleeping like shit, if you're stressed out at work and your diet is crap, your workouts, if you're working hard, you're going to hurt yourself. Like that is the time to pull back, change the movements a little bit. Make sure that we're, we're working, we're at a moderate intensity, not a ridiculous high or maximal intensity. Yeah, as someone who has been guilty of overtraining, just because I can't always sense where I am, I'm not always the most sensitive and in touch with my body person, that's, kind of, that's why the trackers help me, like the WHOOP, for instance, gives me a recovery percentage, and I can be like, wow, my heart rate variability coupled with the amount of sleep I got last night means I should not go quite as hard today. So even if the programming, like we had uh, box squats on Friday and there was someone who's sort of new to the gym and she was like, well, I've, I don't feel like my legs are super taxed at the end of her seventh set. You know, she wasn't going to these PR 
weight levels but she said but it feels really awkward and I was like then great I think this is the perfect level of intensity for you developmentally where you are with CrossFit you're getting time under tension and you're mechanically in new territory so her intensity was like I'm doing these weird movements but she's doing them properly and she's developing a lot of time under load I don't care that she's not trembling on her last rep or going to failure she was right in the zone right for sure and that's uh, and I mentioned this in a video I did a couple weeks ago, but everyone thinks that, so the CrossFit tagline, constantly varied functional movement performed at high intensity and intensity, first of all, is a relative term. So what's intense for me is going to be a whole heck of a lot different than what's intense for Kelly is going to be a whole heck of a lot different than what's intense for JMO, right? Those are all totally different things. Um, but we want high intensity, which just means we're working hard. And working hard could be if you're a newer athlete, it, you're going to have to work really hard to put yourself into the right positions. You're still working hard there. It's so awkward. And you're, that's a lot of neurological demand going on. For sure. So you need to dial back the physical demand until you can do all of those movements with absolute safety. And so we want to be um, for a little bit more advanced workout or an intermediate athlete. Um, yes, we're going to be working hard. So we're going to be near, you know, 80% of one rep maxes on a lot of our heavy lifts. And we're going to be having just a super high power output in a workout like Fran, right? Like that intensity is high. What it's not though is maximal. So it's not constantly varied functional movement performed at maximal intensity. So if you are in a workout and you are forced to stop, you went too hard. If you finish a workout or are finishing a workout and there is three or four minutes left and you have nothing in the tank, you went too hard. If you finish a workout and you um, leave the gym feeling like crap, like you're going to puke everywhere, you're crying because you just left it all out there, your body only has so many of those days in it. You are working too hard. We want to feel better when we leave the gym. That's a recipe for adrenal fatigue and basically like destroying your HPA axis, which is how we balance hormones. Um, and that the balance of hormones affects literally every other aspect of your life. So you're not, there is no benefit that is absolute detriment to overtrain. For sure. And, and so, um, a couple other things that we can focus on to prevent injury. So we touched on prehab stuff, which is like hip halo, crossover symmetry, basically accessory exercises that you identify your weak areas um, and do these protocols, do them a few times a week, and you're going to be much more likely to hurt yourself. And we talked about varying intensity. Uh, next up, range of motion, improving range of motion about a joint is one of the easiest ways to reduce the amount of injuries that you're going to have in that joint. So if you are crazy tight in your hamstrings, the likelihood that you're going to injure your hip and your, or your knee is, you know, way higher than if your hamstrings had normal length and flexibility to them. Right. So if you're lacking in mobility, that means that you are going to struggle to get into the correct mechanical position of a movement. So if you're doing that movement incorrectly, you're basically stealing that mobility from somewhere else in your body that's getting overstretched or overused. So you're going to, you're, it's a recipe for injury. So we need to try to balance out and get that mobility piece in so that our mechanics are on point. 
Uh, and we have a really easy way for you to do that guided at the gym, which is to come see Beth for yoga. We've got great yoga classes on Tuesday night and Sunday morning that are excellent for recovery um, and lengthening tissue. And then if you want a little bit more of a challenge, we'll still be lengthening tissue, but also a bit of a workout. So if you're trying to lower intensity, probably not the best time to come to this. But uh, if you're feeling decent, if you're recovered, if you're sleeping well, um, we've got hot yoga on Saturdays as well, which is also going to lengthen that tissue. Plus, there's tons of stuff that you can do on your own. We're getting better as coaches about having some stretch out time at the end of classes, mm -hmm. which will absolutely help. Um, speak up if something's sore or tight or hurts your coach probably has a very specific tool and they can help you like figure out how to feel better and educate yourself about your own body absolutely um, and then there's a ton of banded work you can do I mentioned uh, becoming a supple leopard earlier in this podcast and there are there is at least one if not two copies over there on the bookshelf and in there are a ton of good stretches and smashes and mashes, and it's organized by area of the body. So you just flip to the center of the book. There's a picture of a guy uh, facing forward and then turned around behind, so anatomical position. It's color-coded. You just find what color is bothering you. It gives you a page number. You flip to that point in the book, um, and those are great prehab exercises that you can crank out. Also good for recovery after an injury, but also amazing for prehab. And tying back into yoga and like hormone balance um, is just general stress management. If our body's under stress, then we are also primed for injury. So this is where you need to look at how you're living the rest of your life. Like, are you doing three tasks at all times? Are you driving and texting or like planning for a meeting and trying to shovel lunch in your face at the same time? Or can you be present? Do you take deep breaths throughout the, the day, diaphragmatic breathing? Do you take 15 minutes for mindfulness in the morning and maybe do a little meditation practice with your Headspace app or whatever it is that helps you slow down and be present and keep your body out of the sympathetic state at all times. Yeah, and and um, I think that what we touched on earlier is really important or, or another key piece of this, and we can probably do a whole nother episode on this, and I think that we probably will at some point, but there are um, biological things that we can track with fitness trackers essentially that are really good indicators of where we are when it comes to how stressed out we are and whether or not we're overtraining. And, and so, um, Kelly touched on HRV earlier, which stands for heart rate variability, which is just the amount of time between beats in your heart that there is variance there. Um, and we want more variance is actually better than less variance. And so keeping an eye on these actual physical numbers that, that we can see um, manifestations, physical manifestations of our emotional state um, is a really great way to keep tabs on what your training is looking like and whether you're overtraining and whether you need to sleep more and, and your nutrition and, and all of those things. And so I definitely think we'll do an episode on that in the future as well. Hell yeah. Um, that is all things recovery and injury. And do you have anything else to add, Kelly? 
I don't really. All right, cool. Thanks for hanging out with us, guys. This was episode two of the Loco podcast. Let us know what you think. Uh, give us some ideas of stuff that you want to hear about next. Send your questions. Send your questions, absolutely. And we will uh, try and get one of these out every couple of weeks moving forward now that we've got a setup down and a process and things are ready to rock and roll. All right, Loco fam, get after it today. Remember, the obstacle is the way. Peace out.